When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. Okay, hour two Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM as we welcome you back. We go coast to coast. I'm Patrick Maher. He, of course, is Michael Lombardi. This is VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. We hope you had a nice weekend. By the way, before we get to Geno Smith and Drew Locke, did you hear Vegas has a new visitor and he's only been in town for about 12 hours and he's an expert on Las Vegas. Can you guess who that is? Oh, it can only be the one Will Hill. I'm sure he's probably now, is he come over to run South Point? He's probably running South Point circuit. Tell Derek Stevens to watch out. He's probably running eight casinos right now, along with three leagues. I mean, I don't know how he's going to do it. <laughs> he is the host of our New York CityCast, Beeson.com slash podcast. You can find GM Shuffle over there as well. But, of course, Will Hill, who is an expert in a myriad of ways, and he is now here in Vegas. So watch out as he looks to run the town. Now, who's going to run the quarterback position there with Seattle? So Pete Carroll, after the 32-25 defeat to the Steelers, said, as it turned out, and you didn't love the situation for Seattle traveling across the country. We'll get to that. But he said, as it turned out for both guys, it was a good outing because they had a lot of pressure on them to have to get things done, and they played well. We're coming from behind, and he goes on to laud both Smith and, of course, Drew Locke. Let's start with Smith who started slow, but then under two minutes to play, got that touchdown, ended up, what, three of five, 36 yards during the nine-play, 61-two-minute drill, which you like to see, and finished finding the end zone on a two-yard scramble. What did you think of Geno Smith week one? You know, I, I, I felt like, again, it's a backup. He's a starting guy, played in the league, going against a lot of the backups there. Uh, so it was – not quite a, a great, to me, a great outing, you know, and then when Drew came in, it was the third string, so the game was a lot slower. Pittsburgh wasn't doing a whole lot defensively. They were just trying to get through the game and give their guys a chance to execute. I think this next week for Geno and for Drew Locke is going to have to heat it up. I, I think we'll see, you know, if they're if they practice with somebody, I don't know. But, you know, right now, they, you know, when they go, they'll play a home game, which will give them some, some time. They won't be on the road. They have, no, you know, they, they, they have to, you know, they won't have to worry about the travel, all that stuff. So give them a chance to, to do it. They host the Bears. You know, they should know the, it, the Eberflus scheme will be perfect for them. It'll be cover three. And we'll, get a, we'll probably know by next week what they're going to do. I would be, I would be surprised if Drew Locke plays well in that game. Just because I know Drew Locke has an advocate in the building, I would think he could win that job. Interesting. I'm glad you brought they that Thursday, up. Well, Patrick. Patrick, I know they, they play do. Thursday. Yep. Yep. They, they, you nailed it. So that's the one game on Thursday night, Chicago at Seattle. It, it, tough scheduling spot for Seattle to travel back. You mentioned uh, Seattle open three. Most books have them three and a half, including DraftKings and BetMGM. But, yes, that's coming up on Thursday. Would you call – the Seattle 
quarterback race tighter than the Carolina quarterback race? Yeah, I call it tighter. I would, I, I would, okay. because I think there's, I think there's probably uh, some, you know, decisions that have to be. I mean, Geno played last year for them, locked it, and Geno actually won a game for them last year. Uh, so there, he's got some in, you know, he's got some in-house love. Whereas Locke has, you know, he's comes with some fanfare. I'm not watching practice, so I don't know how they've looked in practice. But I would suspect this game against Chicago. They'll heat it up a little bit and see where it goes. But look, they're playing with two new tackles, too. The cross kid at left tackle. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts in Seattle. And that's why their win total set at five and a half. I'll get you the number as far as the juice on the total. So one thing you mentioned yesterday that I don't know if many know. So if you missed it, what you said about Drew Locke is interesting. And maybe that general manager would like to see him starting. Can you give us the connection there? Well, you know, what happens is, you know, when you're you're scouting, you always kind of you scout everybody. Right. And so you have a I want to draft this guy. We didn't get to him. Denver beat us to him. I would have liked to have drafted Drew Locke. John Schneider, the general manager, who I think does a really good job in Seattle. He's kind of an independent thinker. He's never going to get A's in his draft because he goes against conventional wisdom and he doesn't really tell anybody what he's doing. So his drafts are never always, you know, looked at as, with that AI in them, you know. So, but he's different and he does a good job. He's done a really good job of building a team. They won a Super Bowl. They competed for another one. Now they've lost a little bit of their luster over the years, but, you know, that happens in this cap era. But he loved Locke coming out. And part of the reason that he traded, they got rid of Russell, is because they really wanted Locke back in that deal. You know, I saw it as a throw-in. I think they saw it as an asset. We shall see. You know, and I respect John enough to say, okay, I'll watch this and see if I'm wrong. Because, you know, what does he know that I don't know? Okay. We'll see, of course, the Seahawks in action, like Michael said, coming up this Thursday with Chicago in town should be a good opportunity to take a look at both Geno Smith and Drew Locke. I, just a quick transition, then we're going to get with our guests and the commanders. Um, I wanted to bring up a team. We were talking about, obviously, the division with the Raiders a little bit earlier. We talked about the Broncos, who are plus 260 in AFC West, and I bring it up because, in particular, I wanted to point out the wide receivers. On paper, if you just take a look at the Denver Bronco wide receiver depth chart, you're like, damn, that's good. But remember, a couple weeks ago, they lost Tim Patrick. That was 50-plus catches last year. Cortland Sutton hasn't really bounced back from the 2020 ACL, Michael. Uh, Jerry Judy, okay. How about K.J. Hamler, who had the ACL in week three, I believe it was, last year? So while there's a lot of talent here for Russell mm -hmm. uh, Wilson to work with, there are some questions with a lot of talent. Yeah, and they look pure West Coast, Patrick, pure West Coast. I mean, sprint left option on third and two, sprint right option, I mean, to the play call. They're going to run this West Coast. It's going to be as if Bill Walsh were running it from day one install. That's what they're going to do. And, you know, they're going to need to get some of these guys going. They're going to need to get Judy to make plays yards after the catch. You know, I, I think the Patrick injury really affects them. I really do. I think he was a, a big-time player for them. I was impressed in watching their game against Dallas with Josh Johnson. You know, the guy's been on 100 teams, right? Yeah. University of San Diego from inner city Oakland. Jim Harbaugh recruited him down to San Diego. But the kid's got some savvy to him. He made a couple great throws in the game. I liked him. I, I, would go, I was going into that thinking, well, they're going to need a backup quarterback. I think they have one in Johnson. I thought he played better than some of these other backups. He certainly played better than Cooper Rush did for the Cowboys. So, look, I mean, Denver's going to rely on the scheme. They're going to rely on Russell. The key for Russell is he's going to make plays with his feet. Is he going to move around? Is he going to buy a second look? You know, is he going to do the things that he has to do? And can they protect him without holding? You know, the two tackles, Bowles and Turner, to me are, are a little bit – I know they signed Bowles to an extension, but Bowles has been known to hold quite a bit. And so that offensive line's got to really hold up for Russell. Well, you mentioned Josh Johnson, who's 36, and he still looks spry. He can move he around does, a little bit, he? obviously. Yeah, he really does. He, you, know what the, you, you know what's fascinating? He is the answer to a trivia question. Who's played on the most teams? 13 years in the NFL, he's played on 15 different teams, Josh Johnson. Yeah. And you know why he's, you know why I, I liked him in the game? Because Josh Johnson was born and raised on the West Coast offense with Jim Harbaugh at San Diego. Like, he's playing in a scheme that he knows he's comfortable with, 
and you could just feel it on the tape that his execution, he knew where he was going to go with the football. He kind of had a sense of it. He made plays. He moved. I mean, look, he's, I'm not saying he's great. Look, Baltimore last year, he did a couple things, kind of falls apart at the end. But as a backup to go in there and get you out of a game, I, I thought it was a good – I thought he played well enough to do that. Yeah, we're not saying he's great, but you know what? He's been collecting NFL checks for 13 years, and he must be a good dude because teams want to keep, continue to sign him, even as it is an, an advanced age. So good for him. Yeah, I mean, look, this Denver team is interesting. I've, I've been in love with Denver's team for three years, and, and, and they've let me down because I think they've had a good team. This combination of runners that they have with Williams and Gordon is powerful. You know, and, and with this offense, the, the way they're going to do it with the West Coast, they can be, if they get good play out of Russell, they're going to be tough defensively. Again, you know, Randy Gregory's got to stay on the field. He's got to behave. The DJ Jones kid. Now, sometimes when they leave that off that defensive line coach in San Francisco and they go somewhere else, they're not as effective. That D-line coach in San Francisco is the best D-line coach in all of football. There's not a doubt in my mm-hmm. mind. He gets those guys to play at the highest level. I don't know the guy. I've never met him. But if I got back in the league, he'd be the first guy I'd hire just to coach the D-line really? because he's truly one of those guys that makes a difference in the team. He makes a difference. And when you watch him and they get these guys from some other team, they play better for him than anywhere else. Kyle's I his first name. I, don't, I forgot his last name. Yeah, but or is really it Chris? Good. Chris? Chris, Chris yeah, Chris. Maybe? He begins with a, it's a KK name, yeah. He was from Texas Tech. But I'm just telling you, DJ Jones was fabulous for him last year. Now, I, I – I'm thinking he's going to play like that, and i got to be careful because he might not be the same player. But with Gregory, DJ Jones, Bradley Chubb, they should be able to be a more effective team defensively than they were last year. Well, the expectations, Michael, they're obviously sky high. You've got Russell Wilson in tow. They won seven games last year, and their win total sitting at DraftKings at 10. I mean, the expectations are there for Hackett in his first year. No doubt. No doubt. And it's his first year. And we'll see what they can do. First year for him, first year for the coordinator. You know, uh, it, there's a lot of things that have to come for, I mean, Stucks, the specialty, the, the Dwayne Stucks, the special teams coach, he's got, you know, there's a lot of moving parts here. But they should have a home field advantage, what they haven't had in the last couple seasons. Everything I see from Hackett whenever he speaks, I'm always impressed. Just in a minute here, do you know anything of Hackett as potentially just, becoming a good head coach here? Well, I mean, I, I know his dad really well. And I, I, I started the National Football League with his father, and, and I know his dad, and I'm sure he'll rely on his dad for a lot of help and a lot of guidance as he tries to navigate this. He's lived through it. His dad was a head coach at University of Pittsburgh at Southern Cal. So, you know, I think he's going to have a lot of help there. And, you know, I don't know what the organization's going to look like because it appears like they're in some form of a transition. Ten wins. That's the win total. Their third in division, that tough division, the Denver Broncos. Questions for me at the wide receiver position to see how those players bounce back. Al Galdi, we talked about the Commanders. He hosts the Commanders podcast for the Washington Post, and he joins us next here on the Lombardi Line. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, who's ready to get Creighton? You don't watch Creighton. They play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon, the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, gonna, not, the, not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of those. And then they're never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Dirk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Dirk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? The whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents 
a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Ah! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on v featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi... Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, of course, the VEASAN College Football Guide is out now, and our NFL Guide drops next week. This is important because, remember, the only way to get access to this year's football betting guides, both of them, is to become a VEASAN all-access subscriber. It's pretty simple to do, and if you do it right now, you're going to get a discount. Everything we offer through the Super Bowl for $175, it's ridiculously cheap. You can save 50% off the monthly price with an annual subscription and bet smarter all year long. Go to vcin.com slash subscribe. That's vcin, V-S-I-N dot com slash subscribe for more information. Remember, you're saving 50% right now. Make sure you do it. Invest a little to win a lot, okay? So go check it out, vcin.com slash subscribe. We are efforting for Al Galdi, who hosts a podcast there in Washington, featured in the Washington Post about the commanders. Let me just say this. They lost 23-21. Who cares? Um, Sam Howell seemed to be the buzz coming out of the game. But I will bring this up, Michael. Remember, they drafted Brian Robinson Jr. out of Alabama. Antonio Gibson, who's not a pure running back, but had a nice year, but he's had an issue with dropping the football, had another fumble, and that's going to be a concern for the commanders because he's supposed to be a b- big part of that offense. Yeah, I mean, look, they are they were physical. There's no doubt about it. I mean, they played with physicality, sweat, the defensive. I mean, they played their guys too, Patrick. They played sweat and pain in there on the first drive of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they had the Davis kid, the first-round pick that they picked from Vanderbilt in there. Uh, so they had all their guys in the starting lineup. Uh, so... It's going to come down to, I hate to keep bringing on this, it's going to come down to, are they good enough up front? I think that's a concern. Are they going to be talented enough in the offensive line? And, you know, are they going to be able to count on Wentz to give them what they need to give them? I think that's really the question mark. You know, can he make the throws that he has to make under pressure? Okay, let's start there with Carson Wentz with Al Galdi. You can learn about the commanders on the Al Galdi podcast, and he joins us now here on the Lombardi line. I'll get to Gibson in a second, but Michael set it up perfectly. Carson Wentz, your reaction to his performance, not just week one, Al, but so far leading up in camp. Yeah, so I thought he had an encouraging performance on Saturday. I mean, I don't want to make too big of a deal out of it, but you know, I thought it was solid. There's been a lot of talk uh, in the D.C. area about how he's done at training camp. And he's been up and down. And there have been some practices at which he's been woefully inaccurate. And there have been others at which he's actually done a pretty good job. Uh, I think some of this has had to do with padded practices versus non-padded practices. And when they put the pads on and the offensive linemen have been able to engage more, Carson has looked better. And I don't think that that's coincidental. But there's no doubt. I mean, if... You know Carson Wentz, as you guys do. I mean, there is a history of inaccuracy. A lot of the metrics back that up. And so what you're hoping for is that the inaccuracy isn't, you know, so great that, like, you can't be productive. Because one thing about Wentz is he can be productive even, you know, if the accuracy isn't, you know, at, like, peak Drew Brees level. So I thought what we saw on Saturday was he was efficient. If you look at his time to throw from snap to throw, it actually was less than what it was on an average basis last year. So he seemed to be making quick decisions. I mean, he and the passing offense weren't dynamic on Saturday by any stretch, but 
But he made good decisions. He made completions. Uh, their third offensive drive, his final drive of the game, ended up being a touchdown drive. And, you know, I think the important thing with Wentz when it comes to the commanders is this. He left, the, he left us on a cliffhanger. That was a yeah. tease in the business. Al Galdi did a good job helping us up until that point. So we'll get him reconnected. Reaction to what he said about Wentz. We had heard reports, and we'll get Al back, Michael, but we had heard, heard reports that he was a little inaccurate. It, he had a lot of picket-type passes in that first, a lot of extended handoffs, no, for Carson Wentz in no, week no one of the preseason. I, I mean, I think the other thing we have to stop is this evaluation of practice. Like, you want practice to have mistakes in it. You want practice to be able to do something where you can coach off of it. You want practice to be able to not be a rehearsal, right? Everybody thinks practice is a rehearsal. It's not. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to have blown coverages. You're going to make, you know, guys are going to drop the ball. Plus, there's guys rotating in and out of the game that you don't know. And so we have Al back, and we can go to him. But I, I think, to me, I'm more worried about the games than I are the practices. Yeah, and we do bring Al back to finish up your thoughts there on Carson Wentz, Al. Yeah, I, I think just the important thing with him and the commanders is the commanders have had really bad quarterback play over the last four seasons. Like, not since Kirk Cousins' final season with the team 2017 has the team had anything close to a good quarterback play. And so if Wentz can just be decent, you know, like obviously long-term, you need a franchise guy. You want someone who's better than decent. But for this team this season, there's a lot of pressure on the team to do well, to make the playoffs, to have a winning season for the first time since 2016. If he can just be top 15-ish, top 17-ish, I think that can be good enough for the commanders this coming season. Al, I want to ask you, where are you with the offensive line? I mean, do you feel like that they have improved? I know they bring Trey Turner in, who was with Marty Herney in in Carolina, and he was obviously with Rivera there, too. Hasn't really played well in the last three years, whether it be with the Chargers or even in in, in, uh, Pittsburgh last year. So where are you with this offensive line as they try to remake it? Yeah, so there's kind of an overriding philosophy that I have with the offensive line, and I know others in the area have too, and that is in John Matsko we trust. Uh, their offensive line coach, John Matsko, who, as you know, has been in the NFL forever, was with Ron in Carolina for years. He, the last two seasons, has basically turned water into wine. Uh, the team has had a lot in the way of injury on the offensive line, has had to go with a lot of makeshift uh, lineups with the offensive line, and yet still somehow the offensive line has ended up doing pretty well, especially last season. I mean, if you look at some of the ESPN uh, win rate metrics, the offensive line for Washington last season was elite, and that was with the team being down to a fourth-string center as the season went on. That was with the team missing right guard Brandon Sheriff for a good chunk of the season, missing right tackle Daniel Cosby for a good chunk of the season. Now, look, on paper, I mean, there are – some reasons for concern. Like you said, Trey Turner, uh, he's supposed to be the team starting right guard. He's not had a great last few years, and he's been missing a lot of time lately with a quadriceps injury. So there's a concern there. Uh, I mentioned Daniel Cosme, the right tackle. He's talented when he played last season. He played well, but he didn't play a lot last season. He missed a lot of time last year due to injury. Uh, the team did get good production from Charles Leno Jr. at left tackle last season. He's been durable, but he is older. Uh, the team starting center, Chase Rulier, is coming off a bad leg injury, and uh, he has uh, he didn't play in the preseason game uh, this past Saturday. So, you know, we don't know to what extent he'll be 100% to begin the season. So, you know, there's a, there's a belief in Matsko and that he can coach the backs up, the backups up. There is a depth with this offensive line. The team brought back a key swing tackle in Cornelius Lucas, re-signed him in the offseason. But I know this, too. So Carson Wentz has a tendency to hold on to balls for a while. That can make an offensive line not look so great. That is something that we're all kind of wondering about is, okay, the offensive line has graded out well the last two seasons, but now with a quarterback who tends to hold on to the ball for a while, could that maybe expose this line a little bit, especially if, you know, some of the new guys like a Trey Turner, like an Andrew Norwell aren't great, if some of the injuries start to catch up with the team. So, you know, I think there's a, a confidence in the line, but I think there also is an element of, like, to be determined because let's see things here with a quarterback who, again, has a history of holding on to balls for longer than uh, other quarterbacks. 
Al, I got two minutes here. Michael has pointed out this commander's defense has not been good. The names are there, but the performance, the production hasn't been there. Give us an outlook on 2022 and is Del Rio in trouble there? Uh, I think he could be. I think the biggest thing that the defense has going for it is that the schedule is a lot easier, at least on paper. I mean, we know how the NFL is. You know, what you think today could be totally uh, not true tomorrow, but they faced a brutal schedule last season in terms of overall offenses, in terms of opposing quarterbacks. The schedule this season looks to be a lot more manageable. The team didn't make many significant changes, really any significant changes, uh, at defense in the offseason. It's basically the same cast of characters what the team is banking on, and I don't think it's necessarily foolish, but it's just everyone being back, you know, kind of going with this continuity approach, people getting the system more, there, were, there was a lot of miscommunication and a lot of misplay in the secondary over the first eight games of last season. The secondary was better over the second half of last season, and the team is very much counting on that being the case. Um, it's interesting, too, the team did just fire its defensive line coach, Sam Mills III. Uh, the defensive line has been good, but not as good as it should be, given the presence of four first-round picks. Both Chase Young and Montez Sweat had disappointing seasons last season. And so I think that's notable. I mean, it's not normal to fire a position coach two weeks in the training camp, and yet the commanders just did that. So I think the defense will be better if for no other reason and the schedule is more manageable. I do think that there's talent on this defense. I don't think that the talent last season played up to its capability. That's why I do think Del Rio could be in trouble. But I think in the NFL right now, I think schedule and who you're facing in terms of opposing quarterbacks just means so much in terms of how good you are defensively. And I think for those reasons, the defense should be better this coming season. Commander's news all year long on the Al Galdi podcast. Al Galdi, thank you for joining us. Appreciate you, buddy. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Thank you, Al. He said said what you said about the defense, but also about the opposing quarterbacks as well. I think Del Rio's in trouble there, Michael. Well, if they don't improve. I mean, you know, I get his point about continuity and communication critical. But if you can't straighten that out during the season, how are you going to straighten it out now? I don't get that. Hey, there's nobody better at covering the Cowboys than your boy, Brian Brodus, who we've had on a bunch. He's the best, and he's going to join us next year on the Lombardi line. You're listening to the Lombardi line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, of course, it was a 17-7 loss for the Cowboys week one of the preseason as we welcome you back here on the Lombardi line. I'm Patrick Maher. He is Michael Lombardi. Brian brought us old Buckethead. Is that what we call I can't remember the nickname. Was it Buckethead? Buckethead, you yeah, it's him? the Bucket. Yeah, yeah, we call him Bucket. Yeah, yeah. He, 1-800-Bucket, uh, just dial it. He'll well, answer. He, he's the best at covering the Cowboys there on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. Of course, a former longtime scout. Cross pass with Michael Lombardi many a times. We welcome Brian. Hi, Brian. I finally made the big time, boys. Good to talk to you yeah. again. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, we want to start this off with LSU news. Did you see that uh, Miles Brennan didn't win the starting job and he's transferring out or leaving school? Did you expect this to happen? You know, it's funny, Michael. Uh, you know, the thing that's been really good, the information that's coming out of Baton Rouge as of late has been the recruiting class for 2023. Uh, you know, Brian Kelly's really done a nice job of, of, of putting together staff. Actually, excuse me, not staff, but a, a good roster. He, he's actually had some kids that were some receivers and stuff like that that were, you know, four- and five-star recruits from the Baton Rouge area. They're actually staying home. So, that, that's a very, very exciting news. You know, Miles Brennan has always been one of those guys that, uh, you know, you appreciate all the things that he brought to the table. And I'm trying to be really nice about this, but they've got better quarterbacks on that roster right now. And Miles yeah, Brennan was a guy that suffered. Yeah, he suffered an injury. You know, there was talk about him leaving. There was a talk about him giving up football. There was all this kind of talk going on about that. And, you know, then he came back and, so this is probably the end that was meant to be uh, because, you know, again, they've got, they've got more talented guys on there. And, hey, I wish Miles Brennan the best. Uh, you know, it didn't work out for him like he probably thought it would be. But, uh, you know, that, that happens in this, uh, in this day and age. Yeah, six-year senior. They've got Jaden Daniels and others, as Brian just mentioned. And I don't think it's a huge 
No offense to him. Brian, you were very diplomatic. I don't think it's a huge loss that Brennan's going to leave the program. Now, the Cowboys, how would you – let's start with not just week one, Brian, of the preseason and the loss where they were sloppy, but what's the take from camp thus far on the Cowboys? Well, the the take was that going into the season, it was going to be about grit and toughness and all those things. And, uh, you know, they – they were at times you felt like, well, the, the defense is showing grit and toughness here. There were several of those practices where, you know, I was watching and, you know, you can watch, you know, Michael and you know, Patrick, you guys talk about offensive line play, defensive line play, the blue chips, the red chips. You guys talk about those guys. And, you know, it, this, this Cowboys defense under Dan Quinn, they, they, you know, they made some huge strides last year. I mean, this time last year we were all like, Oh heck! If they could just have a top fifteen defense, they'll be fine. You know, Dan Quinn. You know, but he he delivered, and a lot of the players delivered. You know, and and so defense. Watching them practice, they're well coached. They don't make a lot of mistakes. Uh, you know, uh, scheme wise or assignment wise, and so you're like thinking, okay, well, if the offense could just kind of catch up here. But they talked about grit and toughness, and they practice against Denver on a Thursday, and they didn't show grit and toughness, really didn't, you know, and it's been hard. It's been hard for the offense. They, 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 they struggle to run the ball against their own defense. They struggle to run the ball against the Broncos on Thursday, but, you know, the game came around, and, you know, with a couple of starters in the lineup, they were able to show some physicality, and I thought they did a really nice job on both sides of the ball, really kind of limiting what the Broncos were doing running and then what the Cowboys were able to do, the Cowboys are just going to have to strive for more balance. I mean, that's the thing that they really, really need the most. When, when Dak Prescott's numbers are like 24 of 29 for 261 and two touchdowns, they usually win games. It's when he has to throw the ball a ton that they get in trouble. But, uh, yeah, it's about balance. It's about grit. It's about toughness. They actually showed some of that. They didn't show very much discipline, which is another problem that they run into as well. Yeah, and my question twofold. All right, so what's McCarthy going to do about cutting down the penalties since he doesn't call the plays and he's watching, right? Right. And then second, are you a little concerned based on what Cooper Rush looked like in that game that he could be the backup quarterback? Don't you think there's a need for a backup quarterback in Dallas? Yeah, Mike, you you definitely have been watching Cowboy football here as of late because – you know, uh, Will Greer has actually the, – the dirty little secret that nobody really was talking about was the training camp, there was a battle for the backup quarterback spot. Will Greer, uh, you know, he was recruited by Doug Nussmeyer. He ended up to West Virginia. He, he recruited – Doug Nussmeyer recruited him to Florida. And so there's a little bit of sponsorship going on in that room. Now, the people will tell you that, that Will Greer has to win the job. Well, he's practicing well enough to win the job. And – but then he had a growing injury the uh, the other day, you know, before they went to Denver, and it set him back, and so he didn't get to practice or play in the game. And you know, that with you know, and I was broadcasting the game with Brad Sham on the Cowboy Radio Network, and I was just saying, gosh, I just wish that Will Greer was healthy enough because you know you could see there was an opportunity for him to make some real headway. Uh, you know, there there is a definitely concern. People will tell you that. Cooper Rush did a great job in the Minnesota game last year. You know when Dak was out after the calf injury against New England, but you know there's there needs to be better quarterback play, and and Will Greer has has done that in practice. So that was kind of the sneaky little thing that nobody was really really talking about. But just from my eye, that's that there's definitely a battle there. You know now the whole thing with the penalties. I mean McCarthy, that's another one of those things. He acts like he's not. You know, it's like, well, you know, it's the preseason online. I'm like, well, damn, Mike. I mean, you know, it's, you know, you, you had the most penalties in the league, you know, preseason week one. I mean, I get it, but, you know, do you talk about these things? I mean, they, you know, they have officials. They have high school officials. They had Pac-12 officials out there. They had, you know, they had NFL officials out there. You know, I mean, uh, it, they, they, there's always officials at these practices. And, you know, and they talk about it. They say, okay, well, they, hey, coach, coach us up on this, coach us up on that. But then they got, you know, they got, like, it's not just, it's just not like rookies that make these mistakes. It, it's like veteran guys. You know, it's Terrell Basham on a third and 12 getting a roughing the passer penalty. It's, 
you know, it's Kelvin Joseph lining up off sides on a field goal attempt right before the half that's no good, but then they get to kick it again and they make it. You know, that's the kind of stuff that they're going through right now. And I tell you, there's a lot of lip service without talking about the penalties, but, you know, McCarthy's the one. He was responsible. He's been here now three years. A lot of these players he's brought in, you know, are they disciplined enough? Are they football intelligent enough? Uh, that seems to be uh, the answer seems to be no right now. Michael, I want you to jump in with your question. I just want to follow up. Brian and Michael nailed it. Led the NFL with 127 penalties. The Cowboys in 2021 finished with 17 in week one for 129 mm-hmm. yards. That's that's sloppy for uh, McCarthy's team there, Michael Lombardi. Yeah, no doubt. And, and like you're either coaching it or allowing it to happen. And so like the left guard who they drafted in the first round comes into the league with a, with a holding reputation and he gets a holding call in the first game. So, you know, like, what are we doing here? Are we putting mittens on them? Are we not letting them hold in practice? Like, what are we doing to curtail it? And if you're not calling the plays in the game and you're kind of monitoring the control of the game, that's got to put some concern on you. To me, I, I've never understood it. McCarthy, Brian, speak to it. I mean, he was running the offense in Green Bay. What does he do game day that that is different than than anybody? He just watches with you and I, doesn't he? Yeah, that's really what it is, Mike. And you know, the the whole thing about it is, you know, they, they had Kellen Moore here, you know, as you know, under the Jason under the Jason Garrett administration. So yeah, I mean, you know, it's. It's one of those things where he, he didn't want to come in. He didn't want to install an offense. The, the defense last year, like I said, made huge strides. The offense halfway through the season just kind of completely fell apart. Now there were some games, okay, against the Commanders and the Eagles JV team at the end where they scored points, but they couldn't run the ball. They couldn't pass the ball. Like, there were a lot of things they couldn't do. And you're thinking, well, McCarthy's an offensive coach. Why does he not try to help Kellen Moore get back on track with some play calling or maybe – take it away from him and say, hey, listen, I'm going to give it. But Mike doesn't want to do that. He always talks about, oh, delegating and this and that. Well, to be honest with you, Mike doesn't want to He doesn't want to put in an offense. He doesn't want to coach the offense. He doesn't want to learn the offense. I mean, it's, it's almost like you're just allowing things to happen, and then we wonder why, oh, why that happened. Well, because you're not, it's not an attention to detail thing to you. He's done a great job of keeping his team healthy, but that's really the best thing that you could say about Mike, Car- Mike McCarthy right now. Okay, it's 105.3 The Fan. We're going to have our buddy Brian brought us on during the regular season. Old Buckethead will join us during the regular season. There's nobody better at covering the Cowboys than Brian. Thank you, B. Appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate you, buddy. Have a great one. Thank you, guys. Yeah, you guys take care. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. I think it was important the way that he laid that conversation out because they led the league in penalties, and then they got penalized 17 times in week one. Like, never Unforced errors. I mean, you line up offsides. Like, you line up offside that you control that like you know you control you know what happens like you if you do that you're not there's not enough attention to detail and i thought what he said about quinn as it relates to the offense for betters that's really important totally agree i want to come back with their wide receivers no cooper some injuries we need to discuss and then i'll parlay that into a packer wide receiver conversation great job by old buckethead here on the lombardi line Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! 
and even checkouts not until four. So because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and four p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com/slash-with-amex. Terms apply. What's up? I'm John Wall, and I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my dance, <laughs> to the Lombardi line on VSEN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, of course, it's BetMGM with the loyalty program. Every time you make a bet over at BetMGM, you get wager reward points redeemable for online bonuses converted into comps at MGM Resorts nationwide. It's pretty simple. Like your credit card, anytime you make a bet, you start accruing points and you can use those points for free bets, dining, shows anything you want it's a great deal make sure you check it out over at the king of sportsbooks bet mgm got to be 21 years or older 1-800 gambler if you have an issue okay we're back here michael lombardi there i'm patrick maher here this is the lombardi line presented by bet mgm on vsin the sports betting network so we'll do this for our buddy and our boss john goulet who's probably got more things to worry about because he just had a kid uh, congratulations, congratulations, of course. Yes, but no sleep. We have to talk about the Cowboys. And then I have, before we go, I have to give you the story about Melvin Gordon that Santos just passed along to me, which is hilarious. But first, <sighs> let's start with that wide receiver depth chart at wide it, it, the Cowboys. You know, mm-hmm. CD Lamb, well, and I'll give you the numbers that I'll give you the props, Michael, but CD Lamb, stud, Amari Cooper gone. And the one thing I would say is, you know, Gallup's recovering from that injury. This is it's dubious. Right. You know, and they still have Dalton Schultz, right? So they got him a tight end. But I, I think what Brian was talking about it, and I think this is really important that we take the betting. The, he's watching practice every day, which we can't. And so then we need to translate his words or his evaluation into the betting. And, and I think what he was telling us was there's not a lot of physicality in this offensive line. The Tyler Smith kid who they drafted in the first round, you know, got called for holding. Tyron Smith, they got to hope he stays healthy. There's a lot of hoping going on with the Dallas offense because it isn't the same. When C.D. Lamb was in the slot last year with Gallup and Amari Cooper on the outside and Dalton Schultz, he wasn't getting double teamed. You know, and it resulted into a really good season for him. Six touchdowns, over a thousand yards, you know, but now he's going to be where's CD Lamb? Let's cover him. James Washington, who they signed as an economic value guy down the road, he injures his foot, he's out. Does that mean Jalen Tolbert, the kid they drafted in the third rounds, ready to take that giant step forward? I don't know about that. I think you got to be concerned. I think Brian very eloquently put it out there. This offense is behind. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't have depth at quarterback. It doesn't have depth in the offensive line. And it doesn't have depth at receiver. And if you go there, that's why they're working Pollard at receiver. That's why they've been working Pollard at receiver. Because they got to get him on the field. I mean, could you imagine having, you know, putting Noah Brown, Tolbert, and and C.D. Lamb on the field and having Tony Pollard stand next to you? Tony Pollard's one of their top five, seven players on their team. Right? He's one of their top yeah. seven, and you're not going to put him on the field? He pops because he's fast, too. 1,100 yards last year for CeeDee Lamb. The expectations are sky high. 79 receptions over at DraftKings. His wide receiver prop set at 1175 and a half. No surprise there for CeeDee Lamb. Uh, you mentioned Pollard. How about your expectations for Zeke this year? I mean, look, I, I think Zeke, I keep wanting him to get more involved in the passing game and all those things. That, that's not going to happen. I think Zeke's got to show he's in better shape 
and that he can move piles more. You know, one thing you want to watch with running backs is do they move the pile? Are they able to kind of, after contact, how many yards do they get? It doesn't have to be a 30-yard run. It has to be those three yards after contact are, are, are all the difference in punting on fourth down or, or having a first down. And so I want to see more physicality from Zeke. I want to see him move the piles more, and I want to see him be able to get to the outside a little bit. I think that's, that's really important. And I also want to see him be utilized differently. That's one of my biggest knocks when you really break down Kellen Moore is his inability to feature players week in and week out. I mean, we talk about Sean McVay. He gets the ball to Cooper Cup 81 times on third down. Like, Everybody knows he's getting the ball, yet McVay gets him the ball. That, I don't see that with the Dallas offense. You, when you think Dallas, when you think the Cowboys, you think the conversation starts with Dak, and then we start talking about CD, and we start talking about Zeke and Pollard. Uh, you think that offensive line, but the way that Brian laid it out, the defense is well ahead of the offense. The perception doesn't match the reality with this football team. No, it's completely different. And, you know, they don't have those studs up front that they used to have where they could really dominate. That's right. You know, and now Steele came in and played well last year for them. Collins is gone. Smith's got to stay healthy. You know, Zach Martin's still a good player. So, but, you know, are they tough enough? I mean, part of the thing is, is you know, McCarthy, it, it, what I keep having, I don't understand it, is he's not, he doesn't, co he doesn't, his personality isn't in the offense. I mean, Mike's a tough guy from Pittsburgh. You know, like he's supposed to be, you know, that's supposed to be the identity. And yet he's got Kellen Moore running it. And Kellen Moore's going to control his future. I mean, look, you forget about Sean Payton down the road. You better hope Dan Quinn doesn't get your job. Because <laughs> I can promise you Dan Quinn's sitting there. You know, he was up for head coaching jobs this year. He's doing a hell of a job. It's going to be easy for Jerry to make that change. Put Dan Quinn and I got Kellen Moore here to call plays. So I, I mean, if I'm McCarthy, I want my I want I want to get my personality into the team. You know, I got to cut down on these mistakes. We can't beat ourselves. You get a holding call, a false start, first and fifteen. It's hard. I'm laughing as you say that because I'm looking at the DraftKings numbers in division, the NFC East, Cowboys slight favorites at plus one forty, the Eagles plus one sixty. The Commanders five to one and the Giants eight to one. You can throw out the Giants, obviously, but how about that? I mean, that number continues to shorten. The Cowboys, the Eagles' love continues to grow, and the Cowboys shortening that number. Look, I, I think the Eagles' love is legitimate outside of the quarterback position. I thought Dave Spadaro laid it out perfectly. What Dave Spadaro didn't say yesterday on our show was exactly what we all know: is that they're not sold on Jalen Hurts. If they were sold on Jalen Hurts, they would have extended his contract easily. They're not. They're going to wait it out. But what they've done, and credit to Philadelphia for this, is they built a good team around Jalen Hurts, something the Arizona Cardinals didn't do. So they've got a good team. I think they've got the best team in the East because I think they're going to have a hard time. Dallas is going to have a hard time blocking Philly if Philly stays healthy. They're going to have a hard time blocking Philly's front seven. Philly's front seven linebackers are much better this year than they were last year. And they're going to have a hard time blocking them. And if they have a hard time blocking them and Dak, like Brian says, they get behind and they don't have that balance where they can run it and throw it. Because remember, if you got Dalton Schultz at tight end, you're not running the ball behind him. He's not blocking very many people. So, you know, it was always the combination. It was Schultz with another tight end on the line. Now they've got a young player in there. I think there's a lot of work ahead of them. And they struggle to run the ball against Denver. They're going to struggle to run the ball against Philadelphia. Eagles fans licking their chops at that plus 160 in division. Okay, we'll jump off this. Now, it doesn't look like nobody's padded up, so it doesn't look like an extensive practice here. But this is kind of funny that Santos just passed along. So a reporter reported that Melvin Gordon is working out with a pad on his right foot. The Broncos running back is dealing with a foot contusion. So I have the picture. He's catching a pass, and he has a looks like a lump on his right foot. And Melvin Gordon replied, ha ha, that's my cell phone, sir. So Melvin yeah. Gordon's working out with his cell phone in his socks, to which you can imagine there's one million replies on Twitter asking him why he's practicing with a cell phone in his socks. Is this, is this I, common? I mean, no. I mean, how does a cell phone get on the field? Did you see the baseball player that slid into third base and his cell phone came out? <laughs> yeah, I did. Did you see that on Twitter? <laughs> yeah, I did. 
I think it was a Padre player. It was a Major League Baseball player. Matt, Matt Santos, I don't know if you saw, the guy slides in the third base, his telephone comes out, he's got to put it back in his spot. Like, seriously, what, are you missing a call on third base? Like, I, you know, I'd like to <laughs> Literally. get to third base. I don't care about the phone call. I mean, like, I'll get to third. I mean, seriously, you got to take your phone with you? We're, we're, we're nuts. We've lost our minds. We have lost our minds with all this stuff. We really have. I'm bad with my phone, I admit. I carry it with me everywhere I go. But, I, I, I mean, this is ridiculous. This is so bad. Yeah, Castro with the Padres. I bet you, you Melvin me... Gordon's one of those guys. I'll bet you Patrick Melvin Gordon's one of those guys that if you text him, he doesn't text you right back, even though he's taking his phone out to practice. I bet you he's, he fits in that category. Well, I know one person that would like you to chill on that cell phone, and her name is Millie. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> hey, hey, before before we say goodbye, like if Belichick had a player with a cell phone in his sock during practice, I'm sure that would be eliminated pretty quickly. No, uh, that would end that. Yeah, that would end that. That that. First of all, there would be. Look, we're not taking cell phones out to practice, okay? Like, do, do I have to explain that to you too? Seriously. <laughs> How would you categorize Bill Belichick's texting abilities? Uh, very good. Uh, outstanding. You know, and some and email ability, too. I mean, he, he can work within the communication bracket. There's not a problem for him. Okay. Well, I just asked because we close out our week, and I still have yet to get the phone number. So I just wanted to follow up. Uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, enjoy your couple of days. I'm sure you're going to be writing a book or doing something. What do you have planned for this Monday? I'm going to head out to the University of Arizona, going to spend some time out oh, there, and then right. I'm going to head to Las Vegas and come see you. And so, Well, I come see the people in Vegas and watch a little football practice in the next few four or five days. So I'm kind of getting my uh, football regiment going. So I'll be, okay. I'll be with you. We'll travel safely, okay, Michael? Thank you, Patrick. Okay, we'll see you next time here on the Lombardi Line. Odds On is coming up next right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Remember, you can find Michael on his travels, M Lombardi NFL, and you can find us at VSIN Live. We'll see you next time. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 